Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Good morning to you. It really is a beautiful, beautiful spring day out there. And the good news is that the country is set to bask in warm spring sunshine, according to Met Aaron. For the rest of the week, temperatures could go as high as 16 degrees. There is a high pressure system and that's moving in across the country, bringing with it this prolonged spell of pleasant weather for most of uh, the week today. Was crisp and frosty in some areas, but we've had a nice dry start. And uh, as, as I mentioned, their temperatures today will be between 10 and 13 degrees. And then the, that theme will continue right into the week. But the temperatures day on day will start to rise. Dry, sunny weather for tomorrow, Tuesday, and again on Wednesday. Uh, temperatures between 11 and 14 degrees. There will be a little bit of patchy rain and light southwesterly winds, but mainly and overall, the days uh, will be mild and we should can expect some good uh, sunny spells. Thursday certainly looking to be the best of the day so far this week from a temperature point of view. Met Aaron are, are saying we can have temperatures between 12 and 16 degrees which will make it the warmest day of this fine week. Moderate southwesterly winds can be expected though to be fresh if you're along the Atlantic coast but most days are going to be dry and uh, sunny. Changes unfortunately a little bit of the weekend which is always the same isn't it? You work all week and the children are in school all week and as soon as the weekend comes there's a bit of a change but hopefully the change won't be too much so enjoy that fine weather, fine spring weather that we're experiencing this week. Now John Paul taking your calls this morning 1850 333 103 text and WhatsApp also available at 0862 103103 and I can already see some texts uh, coming in on the result of Dancing with the Stars last night. Now I mentioned this when I was chatting with Simon. I was a bit disappointed because I suppose my favourite from the start had been Johnny Ward closely followed by Cleona Hagen. Now I will admit that Mairead Ronan was somebody who came to this party as she said herself with absolutely zero dance experience and certainly from a most improved point of view she was stunning when you look at her progression from say the first week right up to the final last night and you know it it looked like a lot of people thought that Mairead was the worthy winner because of course it was based last night completely on the public vote and she got the most votes last night and there's wonderful photographs of her in all of the papers holding up the glitter ball trophy and I suppose as a young mother because when you think about it when she got the call which would have been at the end of last September. There's that much time goes into getting the celebrities together. Then they've got to start all of the training and start all of the uh, rehearsals. I mean, we only get to see the glimpse of what happens on a Sunday night. But I know when I had young Demi Isaac uh, in with us at the week that she got um, voted off, she was talking about the amount of work and how it, you know, it just it consumed her life. I mean, they are literally. I know Johnny Ward, for example, was putting in ten and twelve hour days 
every single day he was so committed to it. So it's a huge, huge undertaking. And when you think of Mairead Ronan, when she got the call last September, she was still exclusively breastfeeding. She admitted herself she was overweight and she was unfit. So it was a huge undertaking for her. So for for a young mum, I think, you know, she was flying the flag for what young mothers can do. And uh, so I, I, I think that gained her a lot of respect and a lot of support as well from the viewing public. Some of your thoughts coming in on it. Uh, Michael says, Patricia, very hearty congratulations to all of our Dancing with the Stars finalists, especially to Mairead and her dance partner, John. All three couples gave their heart and soul. Without a fear of contradiction, Mairead and John were the Class A act. I mean, Mairead, for a lady who never danced, look at her performance thanks to her dance partner, John. She's an inspiration to anybody to get out there and get dancing. Every best wish to all three couples and that's from Michael. And Marion by text says, I thought they were all equally brilliant and would have been happy with any of them winning. People will always have a favourite but I think Mairead should be allowed to enjoy her win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Each, you know, each and every one of them would have been worthy winners last night. You're right. But your views on Dancing with the Stars and Mairead, this was the third series and she was the first female celebrity to win the two, the first two years has been won by a male celebrity. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 We're also, by the way, getting some calls already in and this is some reaction on Facebook as well to what happened at the weekend at the Fine Gael conference and the comments that was made by the DUP MP Geoffrey Donaldson who told the Fine Gael party conference that he would like to see Ireland join the Commonwealth and he got a round of applause for it and there was a lot of commentary went up online over the weekend uh, your views will be welcome on do you think are you with Geoffrey Donaldson uh, and those of the Fine Gael party at the weekend who seemed to agree. I'm not saying everyone at the Fine Gael party agreed. I mean, when there was a round of applause, it could as well just being that this was the guest speaker and he had spoken and people clapped. You know, I mean, it's not necessarily their applause, meaning that the Fine Gael party are coming out saying, yes, we should uh, we should join the Commonwealth. Ed said, I've been saying for years that we should consider the Commonwealth. It's a huge market and it's a huge market waiting to be exploited. So I suppose Ed's point is, look at, look at it from an economic point of view. Jackie says it shows exactly how out of touch Leo and the Fine Gael party are with the people and the reality on the ground if they think joining the Commonwealth is something that the Irish people would agree with. Brian said it's an electorate, it's an electorate or it should be an electorate, electoral decision in a referendum and that's the only way if we want to join the Commonwealth you're saying Brian that that's the way it would have to be because it would have to be a change to the constitution so it would have to be put to the uh, to the people by way of a referendum I swear says Brian Michael Collins must be spinning in his grave and Sheila said what real issue are they trying to distract from by stirring what is an obvious reactionary pot it's just a distraction anyway your thoughts on that would be welcome this morning. Are you with Geoffrey Donaldson? Do you think it would be a good move for Ireland to join the Commonwealth? And as Ed says, it would be, look at the huge markets that we could exploit. Could it be good from an economic point of view? And somebody else says, were we once part of the Commonwealth? Well, we would have been part of the, of the uh, Commonwealth, but obviously we would have left. Uh, we, were, we were in the Commonwealth until April of 1949, and that's when the Republic of Ireland Act 1948 came into force. 
force and that severed all formal ties with the British Crown which included the termination of uh, Ireland being a member of the Commonwealth. So yes, we were once uh, members. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On the programme this morning, some of the topics we're going to be discussing. We're going to be hearing about Green Corps and the fact that Green Corps say they are now ready to talk about future options for the old sugar factory plant in Mallow, which closed a number of years ago. Some people would now say controversially closed a number of years ago. It was an EU decision that they then a few years later said, oops, we didn't have all of the information at the time. Uh, We really shouldn't have gone down the route of closing the only sugar factory plant that was left in Ireland. The EU claimed they were unaware that it was the only plant. And if they'd known it was the only plant, they would have left it in place anyway. I suppose that's a discussion and an argument that's been well worn out at this stage. Uh, So we have this empty sugar factory plant on the outskirts of uh, Mallow. What should be done with it? What could be done with it? It has great potential for the economy of the town of Mallow and the surrounding areas. Cork County Council are certainly interested, the councillors are, in having something located out at that site. And it looks like Green Corps are now saying, yeah, we're ready to talk. Talk to us. What are you thinking of? What are the council plans? What could we do with the old sugar factory uh, plant? Anyone with suggestions for it, I welcome those uh, this morning, 1850-333-103. We're going to have Dermot Good, who is a health insurance expert, join us on the programme to talk about your health insurance cover. In particular, Dermot is going to talk about cover that a lot of younger people took out in order to avoid having a loading put on their health insurance as they get older and people were encouraged if that if you didn't have health insurance you needed to t- take out even just the very lowest type of health insurance there was special plans opened uh, for it and a lot of younger people did it I mean people who were bogged down maybe with very high mortgages couldn't afford health insurance or maybe with children going to creches and costing a lot of money and couldn't afford health insurance the idea was to get onto the ladder and then eventually when your finances get a bit better and you're in a better position you'll be able to then change to a different plan and that it wouldn't be costing you uh, as much. It seems those plans, if you did take them out a number of years ago, they're near to useless. So we're going to discuss why and what people need to be doing. But we'll use the opportunity if you have a health insurance query, get it into us, uh, please because Dermot Good is really good on this, particularly if you're one of those people who perhaps you haven't changed. You're with the same company and the same plan and you haven't changed it, you could be paying too much for your health uh, cover. Uh, We also will hear from an East Cork artist who's chatting about a talk he's going to be giving tomorrow night, a free talk, and it's on nesting birds in Shanagari wetlands. And then we're going to hook up with a young couple who, as we speak, are on a train. They boarded their first train in Ireland this morning in Rosslair and they're heading to Dublin and as they get off the train in Dublin we're going to be speaking with them they are a young couple who are going to be in Ireland for I think between two and three weeks and they plan to travel to every single train station in Ireland and they're making videos as they go along and if you're into social media they're on Facebook they're on Instagram they're on Periscope they're on Twitter and they do little live Facebook and 
social media feeds during the course of their journey and then they're making videos at the same time and they put up videos on a YouTube channel. They did the very same in 2017 but on a much bigger scale because they went to every single train station in England, Scotland and Wales. Now, I don't know how long it took them, but it certainly took them more than two, two, three weeks because there's about two and a half thousand train stations. I think huge number of train stations between England, Scotland and Wales. Whereas we don't have the same amount here uh, in Ireland, but they're going both north and south of the border. So we'll chat with them uh, a little bit later on. And it is Monday, so that means Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, will join us uh, Dancing with the Stars. Jim. Hi, Patricia. I think Moraid uh, deserved uh, to win. And as you say, she came a long way and improved so much. And she did get three tens last night and that can't have been easy for her with a young family and she comes across as such a lovely and genuine lady with a warm personality and I think that won her a lot of votes including mine. So I'm delighted she won says uh, Jim. Thank you for that Jim. Nora from Mitchestown thinks Mairead and John were deserving winners of Dancing with the Stars although Cleana and Johnny were also very good. Mairead and John were just so graceful on the floor. They deserved to win. Talking of Dancing with the Stars I got an email in and my apologies that I didn't get to this last week from uh, Sandra who is part of the organising uh, committee that staged Strictly Come Dancing in Bantry. It was a fundraiser that took place over two weekends at the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry and Sandra emailed on behalf of the organising committee, the Parents Association, the Board of Management, the staff and pupils of St Finbar's Boys National School and they wanted to thank everyone who'd supported their fundraiser. Congratulations in particular to the 22 dancers at Bantry's Strictly Come Dancing who took part and their dance coaches Teresa and Josie also the judges over the two nights that put on an amazing show. It is the second year that they've run a Strictly fundraiser for the boys' school in Bantry and to date, drum roll here please, they've raised almost €60,000 which is going to be used to improve many aspects of school life at St Finbar's uh, Boys National School in Bantry. I want to thank the West Arch Hotel who were the main sponsors as well as the many businesses who supported the event and finally to all those who who attended and supported the dancers because without them they wouldn't the event wouldn't have been such a success and they certainly over the two years wouldn't have raised almost 60,000 euro all of these uh, strictly come dancing fundraisers that are going on all over the country they're proving to be so so successful I mean a lot of it's got to do with how successful the TV programmes are but then they're being replicated locally and they were a great fun night out if you've, if you've never been to one I suggest if you get the opportunity go along they're always used to fundraise for a good cause locally but they're just a really really good night uh, out and then there is the other side isn't it a shame that schools like this like St Finbar's Boys National School in Bantry that they actually have to go out and fundraising shouldn't we be living in a country whereas if a school needs anything that they should be able to go to the department and the department should be on hand and able to provide whatever it is the school needs and that ties in with a call that we had in from Jane this morning and she wants to highlight a TV ad that's running at the moment and the TV advert 
advert is looking back at what happened in the 60s when the then Minister for Education, Donica O'Malley, wasn't it, was speaking about the introduction of free education and it was to encourage students to continue on into second level education. She would like to know where this free education is today. She put her children through second secondary school and on into third level education. She had to pay for books. There was an entrance fee to be paid. Well, if that's the school, they'll say that's not an entrance fee. It's a voluntary contribution. That had to be paid every year. Plus there was insurance costs. They had to pay for lockers and there was money for various things needed throughout the year. There's no free education, says uh, Jane. And the ad, I'm just trying to even think, I've seen the ad myself, I'm just trying to even think what the ad, I don't even know what the ad is about, but the ad does highlight and does talk about Donica O'Malley back in, he was Minister for Education back in 1966, which was the year he announced the introduction of free second level education. I think initially it was up to what was then InterSearch, because up to that, everybody got primary education but up to the late 60s to go to secondary school you had to pay for it and Donnick O'Malley of course I made this amazing speech where he announced free secondary school education and I remember if memory serves me right I remember reading about this over the years he did it and he hadn't told the cabinet he was doing it he, he made the announcement without bringing it to cabinet first which you can imagine must have caused consternation but anyway hence then we got free education in this country but there's Jane picking up on the fact do we really have free education in this country no such thing as free education. Parents have to pay out so much. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Laura Gelga, RC103. Rugga Conor McGregor and Cahula Dig Dool Nejuk Octobot, the Grumman, the Mala Ahaclea. Drastal Share, Well Skull, Dun Vanskalir, August Arguel Clot, Dun Vanskalir. Gisha Dojuk, Hussey Connor, and Dronoliuk, August Agista Uktiuk, Vugshe Kate Comortis Profesunta, Inigishin Hussey UFC, Le John Kavanagh Marherain Ali, Togal Lassan Magel, the notorious August Mystic Man, Tashe Kuig Free Ne Norluk, in Arda, August Tarate Doctor de Vunche, Kanyinche Uridor Dovain, Tashe Fehane Mlin Dish, August Topos da Warnigan. Connor Jack, Lena Fortner, D. Devlin. They say Untain Champion, Ernuk, Atagwin, in UFC. It's an Aline Koruk Mascara. Porsche, Ain Kade, Maloon Dollar, Duntrude, Aguina Mayweather, Elunasa, Anuri. It's far on Severe, Gone Ain Ago. The Blur Gwelga is Misha Podge de Bertoon, Ogwelskult Mostavish, Paula. CK, Asa 3 Kirkig. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. A Cork County Council recently wrote to Green Corps asking them what it is intending to do with the former sugar factory in Mallow. Green Corps responded and saying yes, it is ready to talk about future options for the plant. And North Cork Councillor John Paul O'Shea joins me with his thoughts on what could be the future for the old uh, sugar factory. Good morning to you, John Paul. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning, Liz. Uh, you're welcome. Now, the plant has been closed since 2006. Has there been any interest in the site since then? Yes, indeed, Patricia. Well, I suppose when the plant closed in 2006, there was um, a requirement for Green Corps, who owns the, the plant and the site there, to ensure, I suppose, that um, as part of that, the whole plant would be demolished and taken down. 
So part of that is, uh, has been done, and all that has been done now in the last number of weeks, number of months, where actually the site now where the sugar factory plant was is now a greenfield site. Now, there was um, an extra cartilage of land as well, also with it to, I suppose, accommodate the lagoons, um, which was storing the, the water that's washed the beach over the years. And all those have been filled in, and that excess land has been sold off over the years. So I suppose it was timely that a motion came forward from Cork County Council back <clears throat> by myself, uh, proposed a couple of months back, uh, to write to Green Corps and ask them to know what their intentions were for the future of the site. And uh, our reply was came back at our last Northern Division meeting uh, last week, which indicated that I suppose um, positively the Green Corps are willing to go into discussions in relation to the future use of that site. I think which is a positive uh, for everybody involved. I think being a councillor for the last ten years, we've heard time and time again about how much the loss of the sugar factory site has been uh, to, to not only Deep Mallow but to the wider area also, uh, because it provided some great employment over the years. Uh, to the Mallow and to the wider Norcock region. And there had been rumours, hadn't there, over the years that there was various different developments going to go in there. I mean, certainly during the boom, there was huge talk of a big development going in there. That's right. Well, Mallow West was, was the proposal that was proposed uh, back in the Old Town Council times uh, in Mallow. And uh, I suppose that uh, plan is now defunct. It's lost. It's gone. Um, it doesn't have any planning commission, etc. So it is a greenfield site. And when I proposed this a number of months back, Patricia, to write to Green Corps and also write to the Minister, uh, Minister Creed and Minister Bruton, who are now leading up, uh, I suppose, a joint committee on the bioeconomy, which is the new economy that's featuring. Now, just to explain what, what the bioeconomy is all about and what a bioeconomy yeah. development would be. Well, it could be anything, Patricia, really, from a, from a bioeconomy fuel plant uh, in relation to, I suppose, uh, creating new biofuels uh, that, is, that is all talked about now. We're doing an awful lot of work in government at the moment in relation to improving our climate and our response to climate change. And I suppose a number of different initiatives are created. Now, we have a bioeconomy plant in County Tipperary, which has been funded by the government and by Europe. And I suppose, you know, having that and replacing it with a plant in Mallow uh, would be something that I would see that would be very, very suitable. Uh, for that area but there's also a number of other alternatives um, that could be used in that site whether it's just housing whether it's recreational uses etc I just think from a, a local authority point of view from a representative point of view there's a, a great need uh, for us to continue I suppose to develop that site because that site is a, is a wonderful site and it needs to be developed into the future I think we can all go back and I suppose outline our disappointment in relation to the closure of the sugar factory and uh, I suppose the, 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 the fallout of our sugar industry uh, in Ireland but the reality is now we are where we are now and we must move on from that and I think as a public representative in the area there's a huge need for us to develop that site and I'm very happy that Green Corps are now willing to get into discussions with Cork County Council in relation to its future use. Yeah, and there's lots of reasons why the particular plant would be ideally suited, particularly for the bioeconomy that you talk about. I mean, it, it still has a railway line going in there, doesn't it? It has indeed, and it has good access to, to the N72, which is the Mallow Killarney route, and also to the N20. And, you know, uh, you know, we are progressing with the M20 as well, which links Cork City to, and, and Limerick City, Patricia. And I think the indication of that time frame for that completion is 2027. And I think just in time in relation to, I suppose, the progression and the development of this uh, unique site uh, in the old sugar factory site uh, gives it an ideal opportunity to... I suppose to stand out there to the bioeconomy, uh, to the other other developments, and to like Green Corps are quite willing to uh, in their in their responses they said to us they're quite willing to discuss how they would develop it, or discuss how they would dispose of it to somebody else to develop it into something. So I think that is something that's really positive. I think that Green Corps are not 
suggesting that they might develop something themselves, but it might be an opportunity for them to dispose of the site uh, to an interested party so they can develop it. So I think that's really, um, I suppose, a positive uh, for that area uh, and for the Norcock region in general. Any, any idea how much that site would be worth? Because no, Patricia, I wouldn't no. have any idea, but I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, because the outside farm was sold off over the years, as I said previously, that hosted that host the lagoon. So I don't know how much um, land is left, but certainly where the old sugar factory site was, where the plant was, that is now a greenfield site. So there's a certain number of acres on it. And I think it's, it's important for us to, I suppose, progress that from a local authority point of view to ensure that we have, um, I suppose, proper use in the site and we can develop it as quickly as we can. And will zoning be an issue? I mean, it's, it's obviously, it's, it's what's its zone for at the moment? Well, it's a greenfield site, so it's a brownfield site uh, for sure as well, which accommodates any types of enterprise. Okay. So any type of enterprise could be promoted to go on to that site. So I think it's a crucially important, I suppose, that that's why the discussion needs to take place with uh, the relevant uh, planning and planning authority and Cork County Council so to ensure, I suppose, that whatever intentions Green Corps have, that they would express that to the planners and if they want to dispose of the site for the alternative uses well that that, that um, needs to be discussed also but I think as well as that there is a joint committee that is chaired by Minister Creed and Minister Bruton in relation to developing the bioeconomy and I think that's something that's I suppose critically important as well and we have written to both their departments uh, seeking their advice and I suppose alerting them to the site and if there is an opportunity to develop that in the bioeconomy um, cycle, well, then I think we need to, I suppose, explore that um, also. OK, and whenever we mention the old sugar factory, we inevitably get the question, is there ever, ever going to be a chance that the sugar factory would reopen in Mallow again? Yeah, I think we discussed that at our last um, interview, Patricia, in relation to when we wrote to both Green Corps and the, the, the two ministers involved. And I think, you know, if there is going to be a, a beef industry reintroduced into Ireland, uh, I hope there will be. Uh, but I certainly think that having a plant reopened in Mallow uh, is, is highly unlikely. I think um, the beef industry um, forum has come back and they have had many discussions with Europe and the Irish government in relation to progressing this. And I think the intention would be to have uh, a plant in the Midlands uh, which would cater for the entire country if it was to be put back into into use so I think having one back in Mallow um, Patricia realistically and, and honestly I would say she was very slim Yeah they're already, they've already identified a site haven't they somewhere in the they Midlands? Have, they have indeed yeah and that's what uh, Beat Ireland is progressing that in, in consultation with government and Europe in relation to how they can progress that so I think um, while it isn't a confirmed site they have identified a number of sites and I think one of those sites is in the Midlands Okay, all right. Uh, we'll leave it there. Before we let you go, you, I, I believe you didn't make it to the Fine Gael conference at the weekend. You weren't there. No, unfortunately, I was just my, my parents' anniversary mass is on, so I oh, right. I, I okay. for that. So, but I believe it was a very worthwhile conference and looking forward to catching up with, uh, with all the, the news from it. Uh, we've, uh, been, we've been getting some reaction to the, the DUP MP Geoffrey Donaldson's suggestion at the conference that Ireland should rejoin the Commonwealth. Well, I think that's a, that's a bigger discussion, Patricia. I think this, um, sometimes statements are taken out of context as well, and I don't know what context that was made in, uh, but certainly I think um, it's something I couldn't judge on or couldn't comment on this morning. I think it's important to think and to look back at how that comment was made uh, in the whole context and then review that, but certainly... Um, OK, well, I'm, ju- I'm just being told, actually, it was the 
that particular part of the conference was hosted by young Fine Gael who brought in um, yeah. Geoffrey Donaldson. Uh, there was also the Alliance uh, Party member Naomi Long and the SDLP MLA, um, uh, Claire Hanna. They were discussing North-South relations. That, so that's okay. the contents of which, of which it, was, it was brought up. OK, uh, we leave it there, John Paul. Thank you for that. Thank and uh, for thanks, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is Fine, Fine Gael, North Cork Councillor uh, John Paul O'Shea. 1850 uh, John Paul taking your calls. Uh, and you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103. And actually there was a call in from a listener that I want to give a mention to because this is pretty disgusting. Now it was John Paul has typed this up I haven't spoken to John Paul uh, yet about it um, but it's it's a listener in the Newmarket area in the town of Newmarket doesn't want their name mentioned because they, they don't want to be identified but wants to raise an issue and is looking for advice where this person lives every Friday night a guy defecates in the area around this person's front door so we were talking about this, the poo on the bridge last week. This is somebody who's doing it every single Friday night on the way, way, the way, I'm assuming on the way home from the pub, is it? It can be on the side wall of this person's house or actually on the front door to the point that the following day the person has to go out with a kettle of boiling hot water and wash it off, which is a pretty disgusting thing to have to do once without having to do it every single weekend. Listener says, I'm very disappointed that this is happening. I did report it to the local Gardaí and asked them, could they check out local CCTV nearby to try to work out who was doing this? They told me they couldn't because of data protection. So I really don't know where to go from here. Could anybody else help? Has anybody else been in a situation like this before? Can anybody suggest how I can get this to stop? By the way, there's no public toilet in Newmarket. So, I, I, as I say, I need to check with John Paul that's just come in on my screen. Am I assuming that the caller doesn't think they're being deliberately targeted here? That this is somebody who just happens to be walking home and decides to pick the same spot every Friday night to do it? Or is it is the house actually been targeted? Either which way, it's absolutely disgusting. Does anybody have any suggestions on how this person can end this practice from happening? 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. Now, video producer Jeff Marshall, along with his presenter partner, Vicky Pipe, are this morning embarking on a three week long journey to travel to every single railway station in Ireland and Northern Ireland. Uh, it is part of their All the Stations series and both of them join me. They're just about, I think, to get off their first train journey, which took them from Rosslare to Dublin this morning. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Vicky. 
Good morning. Hello. Good morning. You're both you're, Hello. you're both very welcome. I actually saw you live this morning on your Facebook live post <laughs> that you're about to embark bright and early on a beautiful sunny day. Yeah. Oh yeah, my the goodness. sun came up. It was gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Okay, Jeff, I'll start with you. You this is a follow on from your first All the Station series, which was back in twenty seventeen, which saw you travel to every railway station in England, Scotland and Wales. The obvious yeah, question so, well, to ask is why? Why? So before, <laughs> before that, because uh, I'm born and I, I lived in London for most of my life, I travelled, I, ha- I had the world record, I was in the Guinness Book of Records, for travelling to all the tube stations in the fastest time possible and travelling to all, you know, the big, you know, national rail stations sort of became a thing that we spoke about. So, yeah, in 2017, um, it took us 15, 16 weeks. Both of us travelled to uh, all 2,500 stations in Great Britain, and at the end, everybody went, well, when are you doing Ireland? <laughs> and then the answer is, now. <laughs> and what is your fascination with trains and, and railway stations? Um, yeah, so I'm not so much of a train spotter, so I don't, you know, I don't get my notebook out and start writing down numbers, but I definitely like sort of the engineering and construction and, and the history behind them and the fascination with how they connect. And what we both share is a love of the fact that, you know, you can have a grand day out on the railways. They they let you literally have an adventure, meet somebody new and take you to a brand new place that you've not been to before. And Vicky, is that what it's all about, mm. meeting different people and going to places you've never been before? Absolutely. I think that's one of the best things about the railways. It's such a sociable way to travel. And um, as Jeff said, you, you can go places that you've just not been before. Neither of us own a car so public transport is the way that we get around and and it can take you to, to tiny villages really small communities where you can meet incredible people and learn about their stories and how the railways have really had an impact on their lives so we often think of railways as being important in big cities um you know commuter rail network but actually when you get further into more rural areas the railways become so much more important it's a lifeline for people and, and just hearing their stories is just a wonderful experience and you try and do something at each stop we do yeah, so, so um, uh, sorry go on vicky <laughs> uh, yeah we, we 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 don't get out at every single station on the way our rule is that we have to be on a train that stops at every station um but we do try as much as we can and we're going to have lots more opportunities in ireland and northern ireland than perhaps we did um in great britain um getting out and exploring places i think that's that's one of the great things uh, about our journey is we want to get out and see well where is where has this train taken us to what is the history of the local area who lives here now um so yeah that that's one of the big things for us and Jeff, people follow your journey on YouTube and, and and on all the social media platforms. Do people suggest places and things for you to do? They certainly do. I'm so glad you've given me the chance to plug our website. So, so we're, <laughs> we're all the stations co UK. You just you just search for the phrase "all the stations" on Google. You'll find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and mainly on YouTube, where we're going to post daily videos. But what's great, what's really nice that people obviously get very excited when they hear you're coming to their part of town or their, their small town or village. They go, oh, while you're here, you know, and they recommend somewhere that you should check out or visit. So already this morning, we've been sort of inundated with a number of things on Facebook. So drop us a message on Facebook saying, you know, if there's something that we may not know about when we're passing through your town, and if we get a chance to get out there, then we will absolutely go and have a look at it.
And how do you plan the route that you're going to take around Ireland? <laughs> uh, well, I'm without wishing to sound, you know, sort of condescending. Ireland was a lot easier to plan than, than Britain because it's only it's a smaller number of stations, 198 stations. So you just sit there with a map and the timetables. You go onto the, 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 the you know the IE website and you download all, all the timetables. But even then, it, 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 uh, you get these tricky situations. So, for example, there's a station on the east coast here on the line between Rosslare and Dublin called Kilcall, which we're doing today. But it's, it's a commuter station only. So in the morning, it only has a couple of trains that stop going towards Dublin. And in the evening, it only has a couple of stations, a couple of trains that stop there servicing that station going south, you know, for the commuters mm. coming out of Dublin. So we've got to do like a double like a double back between like Greystones and Wicklow just that we can get the southbound train this evening. We, we can't stop there today having come up from Ross Lair traveling north. We've got to wait to catch a southbound train just so we can say that we've stopped at Kilcall. So it takes, there's a spreadsheet, there's a friend of mine, we sit around with a map and spreadsheets for a long time over a, several cups of tea and we just and we just slowly came up with like a master spreadsheet with all the times, which will work if it goes, if it goes to plan, so hopefully there won't be any delays. <laughs> and if or, or yeah, the trains go according to plan, because I saw <laughs> some of your, I saw some of your video footage from from 2017. I mean, it doesn't always go according to plan. Trains can break down and get delayed, and and, yeah, and you seem to I, do a lot of running to get onto trains. <laughs> but I think in Britain that happens a lot because the network's very complicated. I've seen a sign here, our close station this morning, brilliantly pronouncing that the reliability. And punctuality is like up is in the nineties. It's like ninety eight and ninety nine percent. So yeah. I'm hoping that it will. It so which is great. Which you, so I'm hoping that that punctuality will hold for the next two three weeks. In which case we'll we'll get round. He says in quotes easily. You'll <laughs> sail around our gorgeous land <laughs> with this beautiful weather. Uh, I mean, are you, are, you, are you really well, Vicky? Do you know roughly when you're expected to be with us here in Cork? Yes. So um, as Jeff says, if all goes to plan. We should be um, in Cork uh, towards the end of this week, Thursday, Friday. And actually, Cork, um, the surrounding areas, is one of the places where where people have been giving us information of places to go. We've had the most information <laughs> about Cork and the surrounding area. So, Coles down on the coast with its links to the story of the Titanic yeah. and the city of Cork itself. Is it Black, Black Rock, I think, where they have old tramways and things? So, yeah, Black Rock. Yeah. Very, very passionate. Yeah, really passionate about Cork and the surrounding area. So yeah, towards the end of this week, we can't wait. And I can see all of our West Cork listeners bemoaning the fact that they took the railway away from the good people of West Cork and there's no railway left for you to visit there, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Jeff. once again, just remind people yeah. of, how, of how they can connect with you online. So just uh, just go online, uh, just search for the phrase all the stations, all the stations, that will find our website and again on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and the videos, the videos run a couple of days behind because they obviously take a few days to produce, but as from Thursday, there will be like 20 videos all in a row and I warn you, it's addictive. You watch one and you want to you want to click to the next episode and see what happens next. So, tell me about it. That's what I spent my whole weekend doing. <laughs> Literally, tell me about it. It is addictive. Great. You've, it Great. really is addictive. It's it's it, 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 it's it's fantastic. And will, will can we hook up with you again on Friday to see how you're getting on? 
Absolutely, yeah. Ah, that would be wonderful. Yeah. That would be great. Okay, listen, we'll let you off. Enjoy Dublin. Thank it's, you so much. But when you come to Cork, we're the real capital, just to let you know in advance. But enjoy your time in Dublin. And uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good morning to you. That is uh, Jeff Marshall and uh, B- Vicky Pipe. It is addictive. It's one of the weirdest things. Just Google all the stations and you will see all of their different videos. And I don't know what it is. about. What. I think they're just a likeable couple. I think that helps. You know what I mean? You, the minute you start watching the first one, you think, oh, these are a really lovely, sweet couple and they kind of hook you in and then you just want to know what happens next. <laughs> and, there's, and obviously the one that's up online is from 2017 when they did all of the 2,563 stations in England, Scotland and Wales. Uh, it won't take them as long here in Ireland because between Southern Ireland and Northern Ireland 198 train stations is what they have identified. So we'll speak again with uh, Jeff and uh, Vicky particularly as they're coming to our neck of the woods on Friday. They're hoping to be here Thursday but we'll hook up with them on uh, Friday. Keep a lookout for them. 1850 uh, John Paul taking your calls. Uh, we are looking for if you have any questions with regard to health insurance cover because in the next hour we're going to have a health insurance expert join us. So if you have any queries to do with your health insurance get that into us uh, please and obviously we're also taking your questions for Annalise our nutritional therapist because she'll join us in the final hour uh, of the programme today You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Heidi in West Cork this morning says morning Patricia please tell your speakers uh, Jeff and uh, Vicky tell them about how beautiful West Cork is and what a great place it is to visit but sadly no railway lines well I did mention it Heidi absolutely did mention it and I saw other people online say to them as well and that if they get a chance uh, when they come into Cork City they might get a chance to head down to uh, beautiful West Cork okay some of your other thoughts coming in on the sugar factory in the piece that we did with Councillor John Paul O'Shea now saying that Green Corps uh, have now said that they are ready to look at other options for what is now a greenfield site the old sugar factory plant in Mallow Michael says Patricia the old sugar factory site in Mallow should become a location for a plant to process Miscanthus, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Look at the benefits of Miscanthus uh, to the country, especially now that we are under pressure from climate change. It's a crop. I'll have to, I'll have to do some research on this because I haven't come across this before. But according to Michael, it's a crop that you only plant once and then you harvest it annually. It takes the carbon out of the air. It thrives on pollution. It produces oil, which can then be refined into heavy oil, light oil, petrol, diesel, plus the fact that you can make it into pellets for burning in stoves. The list goes on. The savings alone on heating are massive. I think Mallow is ideally central. For such an operation, it would be far more productive and beneficial to the country than a sugar factory ever would. That's so says Michael. Thank you for that, Michael. Other people, somebody was annoyed and in Rockchapel was annoyed that we were even talking about the sugar factory and the fact that it closed. Well, I think what we're talking about, we're not talking about reopening the sugar factory. What was, what's been mentioned is what can we now do with the site? That's what Cork County Council wants to find out. The site has been closed. Hard to believe it's been closed, isn't it? Since 2006, 30 years ago. It's now a greenfield site and it's just, it's it's a waste of a site, I think is what the council are saying that we need to do uh, something about it. Somebody, Michael and Donnerell says, Patricia, it was funny to hear 
John, Councillor John Paul O'Shea, a new Fine Gael candidate, talking about opening the beet factory. If, if you remember, former Fine Gael TD Tom Barry uh, tried to talk up the same thing in the lead up to the 2011 general election, and we saw what became of that. Do Fianna Fáil really believe they can fool the people again with this one, says Michael and Donnell. But again, if you listen to the interview, and I go back again to the point, they're not talking about, and Cork County Council are not in discussions with Greencore about reopening a sugar factory at the plant. They're talking and they've made contact with Greencore to say, have you any plans what for the future for the future viability of this particular plant? I mean the bio the bioenergy that John Paul was suggesting is just one suggestion and if that isn't a runner you know, or Green Corps looking at selling on the site because it looks like Green Corps themselves don't want to do anything with it. So are they interested in selling it on to somebody else so that something can be done with it? And obviously it would be good for the economy of the town of Mallow and uh, indeed the surrounding areas. OK, also coming in, um, this is on Fine Gael and their conference. Somebody calling it an Ardèche. I don't think they're called Ardèches anymore. It's the Fine Gael conference. Anyway, somebody says, Trisha, I was listening to, to Leo Varadkar speaking at the Ardèche uh, yesterday and one would think that the country is flying it with the top rate of tax for those on €1,000 a week being cut. Well, Patricia, the real problem is most taxpayers are only earning half of that. If they're doing well, they're earning €500 a week. It's the same with the farmers. All the big money seems to go to the big farmers, not to the small ones. We were talking, thank you for that, we were talking earlier about free education when somebody's kind of annoyed with the ad that's doing the rounds at the moment, remembering Donnick O'Malley, who was the then Minister for Education, introducing free second level education into this country and that was a turning point that really was a turning point somebody was pointing out we don't have free education there's still a lot of money has to be paid out to put a child through secondary school and then on into a third level a Douglas system wants to point out um, I got a free secondary education at St Vincent's in the early 50s says a Douglas sister. That was unusual, I have to say, for the early 50s. In the early 50s, if you went on to second level education, you had to pay for it. I wonder, was it a scholarship or something that you won? Because definitely it was the 60s before Donica O'Malley introduced it. And then that was a turning point in that we have a highly educated workforce and we have some of the best educated young people in the world because of free education when, when it was when the situation was that the only got free education at primary school and then people had to pay for secondary school we didn't have an educated population as we do uh, today. Okay, on Dancing with the Stars a couple in on that. Somebody says Johnny and Kleena were robbed. Someone else says my opinion on Dancing with the Stars I felt from the kick off this year that they wanted a female to win. Johnny had no chance and he was a superior dancer. It was always going to be Mairead the RTE star would love to hear the amount of, res- of votes received. I don't know if they ever published that afterwards, the amount of votes a particular participant gets. I don't think I've ever seen it. I'll, I'll, I'll take a look this afternoon. I'll try and do a bit of snooping around to see. But I don't think, and I've never remembered in the past ever saying, this is how many votes one person got over another. You know, it would be interesting, wouldn't it, just to see how close they all were from that point of view but I don't think they ever uh, reveal it they'll probably come back and say data protection is the reason that they can't they also I I take it won't reveal it because there's a money there's a financial aspect to it they make a lot of money 
because every one of those votes, there's a cost involved. Then obviously, if they revealed how many votes were actually cast, quick to get a calculator or a piece of paper and you'd be able to add up how much money is made out of a programme like that. So I suppose for that reason, we're never going to find out the exact number of votes that were cast. But thank you for your comments. Now, huge, huge reaction to the listener who contacted us. And I've spoken to John Paul when the news was on on there uh, at 11 just to, to get more of the background story to it because gent- it's a gentleman. He didn't want to come on air and doesn't want us to call out his name because he doesn't want to be identified. This is the gentleman who lives in the town of Newmarket and there is someone, it's a male, a guy, who is using the outside of his house on a Friday night as a toilet. Um, and it's not just pee, he's actually having a, he's defecating, he's having a poo. It's either on the side wall or it can be on the gentleman's front door. And the only thing then is out with kettles of boiling water to try and clean it up uh, the next day. Now, it seems the the gentleman that's doing it, the man that's doing it, somebody said, that's no gentleman. The guy who's doing it is the worst for wear with drink. Uh, this man's house has not been targeted because I was afraid that this was somebody targeting his house, but it's not. It's just this gentleman's house happens to be on a corner and it's, you know, whether it's halfway home for the other guy, I don't know. And he's just using it. So I, I'm assuming that this, we now know that this man knows the guy who's doing it. Do, do, do I take it from that, that that he does? And sometimes it's not just his house, he'll pick on another house. But when he went to the guards to try to see if they could stop it and could they get CCTV, CCTV which is in the area, and use that as evidence against the guy to try to stop him or to prosecute him, I don't know. They, they were told, the guy, they were told, no, that due to data protection, it wouldn't be possible to go through CCTV evidence to find out who is actually doing it which really doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway as I say, huge reaction to it. Some These are some of the texts and calls we've had in. Uh, Hi Patricia, that is unreal that someone has to deal with that every Saturday morning and worse that somebody would actually be doing this. Tell your listener one easy way would be to install, install a sensory light. That could be that could work, couldn't it? So as soon as the person's got into the squat position to do it, a sensor light would come on and you would hope that that would frighten the person away. Might work. That's one possible solution. Mary says, Patricia, in response to the person defecating on said front door, well, if I was the owner of the house, I would stay up all night with a pellet gun and I'd blast the rear end off him. He wouldn't be able to for a long time after that. My blood is boiling at the thought of it, says uh, Mary by WhatsApp. Some of your texts in Morning, Patricia. What another beautiful day it is indeed. Read somebody using a front door in Newmarket as a toilet. I think maybe wait up and record it on your phone. You don't just have to stay up one night to watch out for him. Maybe it would be worth it, says uh, Margaret. Someone else says, so data protection is the reason why the Gardaí can't get involved. Data protection seems to be the answer to all of our problems, according to the Gardaí. Dermot says, tell that woman, well, it's man we've now discovered, to sit and wait with a good branch of thorny white thorn bush. And oh, you can imagine what Dermot is saying to do with the thorny white thorn bush. That'll fix him or her for good, says uh, Dermot. A Skibbereen listener says, a bucket of water over him. He won't do it again. 
Again, wait up for, for the person. Hiya, Patricia. Surely if it's every Friday, it would be easy to sort that out, says uh, Jay. Well, I don't know if this guy's house has been targeted every Every Friday, this man seems to get short taken on the way home. So it's somebody's house in the area. But this gentleman's house, he's picking more often because it's on the corner. So either does it at the front door or on the side of this man's uh, house. John and Clan says, Patricia, the person that is doing this thing outside that person's house, uh, he is going out at the wrong time with the kettle of water, says John in uh, Clonakilty. Someone else says, why can't the person put up a camera? Or if you can't afford your own CCTV, put up a fake camera. Surely, surely that would act as a deterrent. And someone else says, person in Newmarket should get a camera up on the house on uh, Friday nights. Yeah, I don't know how much those a CCTV camera is. Could you get a fairly cheap one and put it on the house? But you, you're obviously now going to have to get, she's, he's going to have to get the photographic evidence himself because there is CCTV in the area, but the guard, they say, because of data protection, they can't go through it. Even though, I mean, surely there's a, a law there that you can't just use somebody's front door as a toilet. I mean, surely that's against the law. You've got to be breaking some kind of law, wouldn't you think so? 1850 As I say, huge reaction uh, on this. Keep your texts and calls coming and any suggestions. And I don't know if this has ever happened. Has anybody else ever been in a situation that this has happened to uh, before? But certainly something needs to be done. And says the only way to stop this man is to go upstairs uh, when the and when the person and lie in wait for the person coming along to do their business and then throw down a bucket of water on top of him. It'll surely stop him. 1853-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103
Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. I suppose let's start by reminding listeners about this age loading. When and why was it introduced and the effect of its introduction? Yeah, Patricia, they brought this in um, four years ago. And and the objective of of this measure was that, look, the the market was pretty much in free fall back then. And uh, they wanted to... They wanted to incentivize younger members to join health insurance um, at an earlier age because, really, there was there was no there was no incentive to join. We'll say at thirty four rather than fifty four, and that was having a detrimental effect on the market. It was deemed to be unfair to members who were paying into the scheme for longer. So, what they did was um, they introduced this threshold of thirty four. Anybody who joined up to that age uh, paid no loadings. Anybody who joined from thirty five onwards they would have to pay a loading of 2% for every year over that. So if a 40-year-old was joining for the first time now, uh, they're six years over the threshold, they would have a loading of 6 by 2, 12%. That would be added onto their premium for the next 10 years. Um, so there was a lot of publicity around that at the time, and the health insurance companies launched a lot of these, what we'd call entry-level or yellow-pack plans to encourage younger people to join. And about 100,000 people joined health insurance well, as a result of that measure. Do you believe it was fair? Well, I, I think the I think the measure was fair. I think the measure needed to be brought in because what was happening was, Patricia, if a tw- if a, we'll say if a 22-year-old joined and a 52-year-old joined, or sorry, let's just say a 22-year-old joins now and paid in for 30 years, mm. and then a 52-year-old, let's just say in 30 years' time, just decides to join the scheme, they effectively were being treated the exact same, even yeah. though the 22-year-old had paid into the system. And that, that wasn't fair in a community-rated market where, you know, let's just say it's, a, it's like a mutual fund. So you pay in, you hope you never have to claim, but if you do, you won't get penalised. You need a steady stream of younger members joining. And obviously, four or five years ago, a lot of people, you know, health insurance was the least of their priorities and a yeah. lot of young people. OK, we've lost. Um, have we lost Dermot? Um, hello. OK, let me put that back out to John Paul. Hello. Yeah, no, we've lost Dermot. OK, we'll let John Paul sort out getting Dermot uh, back to us there. And while we're doing that, um, let me see what's coming in on phone lines. There's a question in for Annalise. Thank you for that, Keith. Those coming because uh, Annalise will be joining us in the next hour. Uh, Patricia, this is in with the comments earlier about the the DUP MP, Geoffrey Donaldson, speaking at the Fine Gael party conference. And he said Ireland should rejoin the Commonwealth. And I made the point because John Paul O'Shea was saying what was the content he didn't know the context of it and seemingly he had been invited to speak by young Fine Gael so it was an event hosted by young Fine Gael Margaret says Hi Patricia with reference to the British Commonwealth I suggest that the young Fine Gael members need to have a history lesson uh, because we assume that it was all young Fine Gael members that were there when he made you know the fact that it this was an event within the conference organised by Young Fine Gael and we do know that after he made his comments he got a round of applause. So Mark's making the point that maybe the Young Fine Gael members need to get some kind of a history lesson and one would wonder from that if the same statement had been made to the general body of the conference would there have been a round of applause? 
because I, I don't know. But certainly anyone who's contacted us this morning, not in favour of the notion of us joining the Commonwealth. But only one, only one, in fairness, Ed, wasn't it? Ed was one of the first down to us and he says he's been saying this for years. He's 100% behind what Jeffrey Donaldson is saying. And uh, he says it's a huge market. Uh, it's waiting to be exploited and particularly with everything going on with uh, Brexit uh, he says we definitely uh, should be looking at it. 1850 Hopefully the Gremlins have gone away. Dermot are you back with us? I'm back. I yeah, don't know what happened there. Uh, neither do I. We're, I. We just seem to be having some problems this morning so don't worry it could no have been problem. this end. Okay. You've been explaining uh, what the age loading is all about. So 100,000 people uh, signed up uh, for it. How much roughly has it been costing people? Well, when these entry-level plans came out, they were probably around 480, 500 per adult and maybe about 100 and 120, 150 per child. Um, some of those entry-level plans now, Patricia, they now cost 770 and, and more per adult and nearly 300 per child. Well, So if any of your listeners who still only want the basic cover you know, to avoid the loadings, um, they still need to review their options because they may be still way overpaying for those basic plans. I mean, like one of the insurance companies now, Alea Healthcare, are giving free cover for the second and subsequent child under 18, but not on the entry-level plan. So here's the crazy thing about health insurance. I could have three children on an entry-level plan, maybe paying 150 per child. But if I move the two younger children to a different plan with Leia, actually a much better plan, I'll actually get them free for the next year. So what I would say to your listeners is don't be complacent if you're on those entry-level plans and think that you can't save money. In many cases, if you've stayed on the same plan for four or five years, you absolutely can. The more worrying feature, though, Patricia, is that people on those plans, a lot of people mistakenly believe they now have quality health insurance. And I hate saying this because, you know, 500 euros is still a lot of money, <clears throat> excuse me, but those plans are anything but. They're not quality health insurance. They literally, the insurance companies have stripped everything from those plans that they're allowed to do to, to keep them compliant with legislation. So they have minimum maternity. They have no cover for private hospitals. Uh, they don't cover private MRIs. They give you no money back on routine expenses. Um, unfortunately, we deal with people every day of the week who've been diagnosed with something, they need to get hospital treatment, they're on one of those plans, and now it's too late. They realise that those plans, in terms of certainty of cover and getting you access to, you know, speedier treatment, a lot of times, Patricia, those plans fall way short of the mark. So that's the thing, really, that we're just making people aware of. Uh, Just be aware, those plans are not quality health insurance, and uh, you may find that you have very limited access to private treatment if you need to use one of those plans. So just be careful of that. Yeah, and as you say, particularly people have been paying it for four years, assuming, oh, this is the basic plan. This is all I can afford at the moment. And for probably not much extra, they could get onto a decent plan, could they? Absolutely. Well, you see, and and you know, Patricia, here's the thing, and I know it's easy for us to say this, but what we always say to people, look, for example, when you buy a new car, Everybody puts fully comprehensive insurance on their car so that if anything happens, they're covered. But people think completely differently about health insurance. And what we always say to people is, look, you know, think of what happens if you fall ill. Which hospitals do you want to go to? So do you want to go to the Bonds in Cork or do you want to go to the Hermitage or the Beacon Hospital in Dublin or the Whitfield in Waterford, for example? Do you want a private room or a semi-private room? If you need to get an urgent MRI scan because of a sports injury, do you want to be able to get it straight away so you can get your treatment and get back playing whatever sport it is? If you if you want that type of access, that type of rapid access, 
those entry-level plans are no good. So what we would say to people, and, and think of this when you're healthy, because the, the way health insurance works is it is black and white. If you upgrade your cover now to a more a more comprehensive plan and you're healthy, well, then should anything happen afterwards, you're covered immediately. We deal with people every day of the week who are trying to upgrade their cover because they've just been diagnosed with something. And now, Patricia, it's too late. The insurance companies will still keep you on the old plan for the next two years. So I would say to anybody who's thinking of upgrading their cover, and I, I appreciate this is a lot of money for some people, but like the VHI One Plan 250, which is €830, Euro, um, the Leia Essential Health 300, which is 895 and Irish Life have a, have a very good new option called the Benefit Plan at 899 Now, I know that's a lot of money, Patricia, but those plans effectively cover all public and all private hospitals. So you literally are doubling your cover. And bear in mind, one-day case procedure in a private hospital, that's like for colonoscopy or a gastroscopy, one-day case procedure could cost you a thousand euro. Give your so, money you back. Know, give your money back straight away. But you you could pay though. You pay those premiums monthly. No, well, you, you can of course. So they're, they're the annual cost. You can pay those premiums. Let's just say monthly by direct debit. Leia Healthcare do charge an extra three percent for doing that, but the others there is no surcharge for that. So in most cases, it's the same cost either way. And we would absolutely we would recommend to all consumers don't be paying lump sums up front. You know, unless the insurance company is is rewarding you for doing that. Um, otherwise, just pay it monthly by direct debit. It just spreads the cost evenly over the year. And the other thing, Patricia, as well, you don't have to have everybody on the same plan. So you can have young children on a, on a different plan. It's what we call splitting your cover. So, for example, you know, you don't have to put the children on the same plan as the adults. We find a lot of people have the children on much better cover for the adults, whereas really the real risk is around the adults. They're mm. the ones that if they fall ill, it's more likely going to be something serious and they could incur significant costs. And the last thing you want to be doing is, you know, paying a basic health insurance plan. I'll give you an example, Patricia, orthopedics. So I could be on one of those basic entry-level plans. I might need to have a knee replacement because of a sports injury. And you'll find to get that done privately, you will need cover in Cork for the likes of the bombs in Cork. And, and you can get to see a specialist within two to three weeks and maybe get your surgery done a couple of weeks later. But if you're only covered for public hospitals, you may still find you have to wait significant times um, even though you have health insurance. So it's really all about having quality health insurance that if you're unfortunate enough to have an accident or fall ill, that the insurance plan will work for you. And that's really what this is about. OK, a couple of people are contacting you saying that they've noticed that their premiums have gone up between 3 and 4% this year. Is that the case? Yeah. Now, 3 and 4%, for, from our point of view, compared to the way it was years ago, that wouldn't be, let's just say, too far off the mark. But what we'd say to anybody... Once again, Patricia, if they're on the same plan for three or four years or more, if the premium is getting a little bit pricey now, then really they should review their cover. And and I have to say, Patricia, to all your consumers, be very careful of these comparison websites. Um, Most times, not all the information is accurate on them. And also, unless you know exactly what plans you're looking for, you should never rely on a comparison website to, to direct you to the right plan because they cannot give you advice. And most times... When we look at these comparison sites now and we go in looking for specific plans, the plans that we know are the best plans, they rarely come up, you know, so just be very, very careful. Unfortunately, with health insurance now, it's got a little bit like investments and pensions and so forth. If you're worried and you want to make sure you have the right cover, then get advice from somebody who specializes in the area because it's too important to get this wrong. And there's too many plans there. It makes it so confusing. 
Yeah, the, but you know, Patricia, there are, look, there's a significant number of plans. There's nearly 350. But the, the beauty about that um, is that there are some amazing deals there. I mean, I remember the days when there were only 15 plans with VHI and their option schemes and uh, Boom Ireland. And, and everyone was on that. plan B. That was a pretty, and, that's, and by the way, Patricia, and if your listeners are on that plan, €1,933, there are significantly better plans out there where you could potentially save €700 per adult. So anybody who's on that type of plan, when it comes up to your next renewal date, make sure you get advice because some people are just shocked at the level of savings that can be made. And there will be no break in their cover. You know, they won't have to reserve waiting periods. They won't be hit with any of these age loadings. So a lot of the, the myths that are out there that... Old, older members in particular are very fearful of they just don't apply well, you know, I, think, well, I, well I think what you're talking about answers this question a caller's elderly parents are with the same health insurance company for years they have had health issues in the past and they see this as the reason why they can't switch providers ok let me dispel this one straight away now right you can never not switch. You can always switch. And the other insurance companies must consider you and must take you on with no questions asked, no restrictions whatsoever. That's the law. So in other words, if I'm on a data plan with, say, with BHI or Leia or Irish Life for that matter, and if I see another plan with another insurance company and I, and I like the pricing and I like the benefits, um, they must take me on. They, in fact, I don't even have to tell them about any previous, let's just say, surgeries um, and they won't even ask me. Now, Patricia, we would always say to people, unlike any other insurance, if you're thinking of switching, tell them exactly what's important to you. Tell them what surgeries you've had and where, and tell them what surgeries you're likely to have. Because all that that, all that, that means is they now must tell you exactly what your cover is. But the one thing they can never say to you is that, Dermot, we won't take you on, or we won't quote you, or we're going to load your premium. So in other words, everything that people worry about with car insurance, health insurance is the exact opposite. They must take you on. They must charge you the same as everybody else. And if you switch to an equivalent plan, then you will be on cover immediately. So in other words, Patricia, if I'm already covered for a semi-private room, we'll say in the Bonds and Cork on my current plan, and I switch to another plan that provides the same, I should say, accommodation cover, I'm on cover immediately. If I have a hip replacement a week after I switch, the new insurance company must cover must that. Must that. So okay, j- tell those people to get their cover reviewed. Okay. Yeah. John says, um, I had health insurance with Irish Life for years. Then I was diagnosed with depression. I put in a claim and I was told I wasn't covered. My policy said full health cover. But then when it, but they claimed it didn't cover mental health issues. Okay. Now, the only time, so just to break that down, every policy on the market must cover 100 days for psychiatric treatment by law. Now, if we're talking about an inpatient uh, inpatient treatment in the likes of, for example, St. Pat's or St. John of God's in Dublin or Highfield, um, then once you have at least five years insurance under your belt, five years continuous insurance, then the insurance companies must pay the claim. If it we're talking about outpatient treatment, so sometimes now a lot of mental health treatments are rendered on an outpatient basis, and that's something that must always be checked in advance with the insurance company to make sure you have the right plan to cover that. But what that listener needs to do, he needs to get onto that insurance company and they have to explain exactly why the claim wasn't paid. Yeah, because he's wondering, are there plans that cover depression? Well, oh, every plan. Here's the thing now for all of your listeners. Every plan covers every condition. So whether it's depression or or cardiac or ophthalmic or orthopedic, every condition is covered. The question is, does your plan cover the hospitals that you want to go to? So, for example, if I'm only covered for public hospitals, which is these entry-level plans again, Patricia, and if I want to go to, we'll say, 
Tabor Lodge or St. Pat's or John O'God's or any of these specialist centres, if I don't have the appropriate plan that covers the centre, then, then you won't my, be able to my go. claim won't be paid. But okay. every plan covers every condition. Okay, Mary in Mitchellstown, her health insurance is due for re- renewal. Who's, wh- where's the best place to go for advice on getting her insurance renewed? Yeah, what, what I would say here, um, Patricia, is that, look, there are lots of advisors around the country who specialise on health insurance. Never rely on these comparison websites, ever, because you have no comeback whatsoever if you make a wrong decision. Um, so I would suggest to that lady in Mitchellstown, if there's an advisor in the town who specialises in health insurance. Now, what I mean by that is make sure they know every plan and they deal equally with all three providers. OK, and then basically they're, they're, they may be charged the fee, but it might be the best fee they've ever spent because they will do all the work for you. Um, but that's really what I would suggest. Look, there's, there's lots of advisors out there who specialise in the health insurance area. Um, but if they're worried and if they're paying a lot of money and they want to make sure they make the right choice, then just find somebody who specialises in that and then let them do the work for you. And that's the best advice I can give to all your listeners. Okay, because David in Crosshaven said, I've tried to move my health insurance provider, but it can be hard to try to get the exact same cover when I'm comparing things like x-rays, MRIs, inpatient. I find a lot of them have similar cover with similar pricing. That's why I've ended up staying with the same insurance company for the last 10 years. When I shop around, I seem to be only saving small amounts of money, like 40 to 50 euro. Yeah, and you know, Patricia, I, I wish that listener now had just given you the plan name because uh, of their current plan, because then we could be, we could be very yeah, specific. We need the plan like, name. Look, if, if they're on the same plan for 10 years or more, we would be concerned because that plan has been hit by every price increase for that for over that 10-year period. Um, but look, once again, I'd be suggesting that they, they get advice on the matter because, look, um, a good advisor will know every plan across the market. They'll know which plans are poor value. And yes, the listener is correct. Sometimes getting an exact replica of what they have is, is, is difficult. But in many cases, we can actually get better cover for the, for the member. And sometimes there might be minor reductions in certain areas. But when we, when we let's just say, explore them, they're, they're not essential to the member in the first place. So it doesn't matter. So it's literally a case of going down through what's important for the member and making sure that any new plan, let's just say, uh, ring fences or protects what's important for them. But anybody on the same plan for 10 years or more, Patricia, we would be worried because 10 years or more means every price increase and there were significant price increases over the last 10 years. There was. And I just think that person could be, let's just say, could be paying more than they need to spend. And be careful, when you phone the insurance companies, you know, the insurance companies, let's just say, sometimes you'll find that their recommendation will be to stay on the same plan. You need to speak to somebody who is looking after your interests and knows every plan on the market and that's why we recommend advice. Okay, and Christine says, why at 65 do I have to pay for maternity cover? I'm never going to use it. <laughs> well, no, and tell Christine, well, Christine, I, I cover for maternity cover yeah. unless I can use it, you know. So, um, no, what I would say is, look, any of your listeners who have the same plan, or sorry, who receive benefits on plans that are not relevant to them, just ignore those benefits. They must be included on all plans to comply with what they call minimum benefit legislation. Now, it's it's not there to, to, let's just say, you know, to give people those benefits. It's there to make sure the insurance companies provide limited cover for certain essential treatments. And one of them in particular is psychiatric. Another one is substance abuse. So the reason why the legislation is there is to make sure that every plan launched on the market covers all the essential treatments. So any of your listeners who, let's just say, have no interest in maternity or any of those benefits, whatever you see on the plan that doesn't apply to you, just ignore it. It makes no difference to the premium whatsoever. Okay. All right. A mine of information as always, Dermot. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. That is uh, Dermot Good of Total Health Cover.
Ie. Now, if you have any interest in birds, then I suggest you go along to a free talk at the Shanagari Design Centre tomorrow afternoon for a talk on birds feeding and nesting in the Shanagari wetlands. The talk will be given by renowned artist Phil Davis, who's taken time out to uh, talk to us today. Good morning to you, Phil. How are you doing? Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Now, how many different types of birds are found in the Shanagari wetlands? Well, that's a very good question. Um... Uh, almost impossible to say because it depends on the season. But, for instance, uh, I, I have a list of uh, birds I've seen in Ireland of nearly 400 species, um, and I would imagine probably at least half of them I've seen in the Shanagari area. So it would be well over 200. Well, why is but, that Why is that area particularly good for birds? Well, number one, um, a lot of people reckon the lighthouse brings a lot of migrant birds in. Um there's a lot of it is still kind of untouched as well. A lot of the area is is still re- uh, reeds and um, open fields that haven't been destroyed so far anyway. Um, Long may that last. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say that uh, thanks to the Kilkenny group, um, there's about 10 or 15 acres behind the, the uh, Shanagari Design Centre that, that won't be ruined in the foreseeable future because the... They're putting money into creating uh, an environment for birds, uh, which is which is brilliant. Which is why I'm involved. Well, we've we, you know we were we were talking earlier. I mean, what a beautiful day we have today, and the weather forecast for this week is is yeah. great. I mean, this would be it's great weather to get out and about. I it mean, is, is what what would could people expect to see bird watching this week, for example, at this time well, of year? Well, um, certainly they've got feeders at the back of. Uh, the, Kilkenny Design Centre here, and um, you'll see um, blue tit, grey tit, chaffinch, goldfinch, greenfinch. Um, you'll see blackbird. Um, uh, quite a lot of, um, of stuff like that. Yeah, there's, there's a pheasant has taken up uh, position oh. underneath the feeders and picks up whatever falls out. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah, they're very opportunist. And we've got, uh, the, uh, of course, we have rooks and jackdaws. Um, they're like pirates trying to uh, trying to steal what they can. But they're birds as well. They need feeding as well, mm. you know. Mm. Um, what's the What's the best time of year for that particular area for birds? Um, well, personally speaking, I mean, I was uh, a well-known twitcher, which basically is a, a person that... Uh, takes off at a moment's notice to see a, a bird they haven't seen in Ireland before. Um, and I used to spend three or four hours every morning in Ballycotton um, trying to dig out a rarity, um, not ignoring the, the common stuff, but um, but spring is, is pretty good because you've got a lot of waders coming through. They don't breed around Ballycotton, but um, they're passing through to their breeding grounds. So on the beaches, you've got uh, a, lot, a lot of waders um, you've um, you've got the uh, passerines, as they're called, perching birds, nesting um, all around blackbirds. <coughs> excuse me, song thrush. Uh, some of the ones I've mentioned already: chaffinch, goldfinch, um, bullfinch, which is a bird you won't see at the feeders very often, but it's, it's a beautiful finch. Um, you could easily see thirty or forty species of birds in, in a couple of hours, you know. And is it is it a huge excitement for somebody with the passion and the interest that you have when you do get to see a very rare species? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've personally found two 
first Irish records in the Ballycotton area. Um, never been seen before in Ireland. Um, one thing, um, a little wader called a redneck stint, which was all the way from Siberia, and and a swallow type bird called a crag martin, which came up from Central Europe and and uh, parts of uh, Africa. Uh, it's a huge buzz, yeah. The the um, the excitement is immense, but I think the excitement is added to then when you kind of phone and put the news out to to other to others, and, yeah, and, and they come down and hopefully see the bird. Um, which doesn't always happen. Yeah. Um, I've travelled a, a good bit around Ireland and, and missed birds that were, were there the day before, you know? Gosses then. Gosses because you don't get to well, see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's a saying, if you, don't, if you can't stand the dip, don't make the trip. That's it, um, that's it. Now, who, who, who yeah. are you aiming tomorrow's talk at? <clears throat> I suppose generally people that, that don't really know much about birds. I, I, I think in our very busy lifestyle these days, we tend to tend to ignore what's around us, um, and there's a multitude of bird species, but people don't look really. Um, and I just want, I suppose, to show them some of the common birds. I often get phone calls or people come into me and they say, "Oh, I saw a very rare bird," um, and I say, "Grand, you know, describe it to me." And very often, it's actually a very common bird that that they've just never seen before, they've never noticed. Um, so it's really aimed at um, people who have an interest but maybe don't know too much about the uh, the birds themselves and don't have huge identification skills, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, because Maura, one of our listeners in Inascara, is wondering, because of the warmer weather, are we getting new birds to Ireland that were never here before? She reckons in the morning and the evening time, she's hearing different birds tweeting. Sounds right. that she didn't hear when she was growing up and she's wondering, are there more exotic birds coming up well, here? Well, there are. They're um, mostly... Um, uh, herons, um, like we have a grey heron, which is a, a, <clears throat> a naturalised Irish bird. But a few years ago, um, a bird called a, a, a little egret started to be seen in Ireland. Um, and it's now breeding in, in quite large numbers. Uh, for the last couple of years, there's another, e- another heron called a cattle egret, which this winter seems to... Uh, have broken all records as far as sightings are concerned in in uh, Ireland. Um, also, another bird called a glossy ibis. They're all from from Europe, from southern Europe mainly. And I would presume that because of, of the uh, the warming of the planet, mm. that they're, uh, they're they're moving. they're arriving they're, here. Yeah, they're arriving here. So uh, and they're arriving naturally. They're not being <clears throat> uh, you know they're not being brought in. As so many birds, like over the years, a pheasant is not the natural Irish bird that was brought in from China, you know. Um, red-legged partridge was brought in from China basically to shoot, but these birds are coming naturally. Um, there's also uh, a bird of prey called a buzzard, which 10 or 15 years ago you would have had to go north of Dublin to, to really to see. Nowadays they're everywhere, they're all round. Southern Ireland, you know, you can... And are, they, are, they, are they welcomed, buzzards? I think, generally speaking, they are. There's, yeah. still, there's still a few ignorant people that that try to poison or shoot them. Yeah. Um, they are protected. Oh. Um, so it does, you know, you are breaking the law. Thankfully, I think more people have become aware of, uh, of this, but there are still cases 
of poisonings. Um, the same with the eagles that have been reintroduced in Donegal and in Kerry. There's been um, there's, there's records of birds being poisoned. Oh, that's is, been shocking, yeah. And the, yeah, the, and the an work that's gone on to try to reintroduce them, it's just, Absolutely, it's it's yeah. dreadful. You, you, yeah. You're the resident artist at the, at the Shanagari Design Centre. Oh, I, I mean, am, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming a lot of your work is based on the beautiful environment in which you live. It is, yeah. yeah I, I do paint a lot of birds. In fact, I started painting by painting the birds that I was seeing when I was, when I was out. I would, I'd sit for hours looking through a telescope trying to... Uh, capture the birds I saw running around in front of me most of the time very poorly but <laughs> <laughs> and is <laughs> that is that what developed your love of painting it is actually wow. yeah yeah wow. and um as I got more into the painting then you know it just developed into landscapes and all kinds of you know different uh, different things um and different mediums so that uh, I I've been painting now for well over 30 years and um yeah, the birds were certainly the catalyst for me to to start painting. Now it's got to the stage where the, the painting has taken over from the birding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, and, and people can get to, to hear more about you to, um, from you tomorrow. Birds feeding and nesting in the Shanagari Woods and it is a free talk tomorrow afternoon yeah. at half yeah. past two. Good luck with it, Phil. Thanks and uh, and thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Phil Davis. Actually, I was on his website over the weekend. He's a fabulous artist. Some of his paintings are absolutely uh, stunning and you could see the influence of living in that in beautiful East Cork and how it's reflected in, in his work, that's for sure. Uh, so thanks to that's uh, Phil Davis and that talk tomorrow. Shanagari Design Centre at half past two, as I say, it is a free uh, talk. Can I just for a sec give you the heads up? Um, it's staying on wildlife, but the kind of wildlife that you don't want in your house. Ants. We've had some calls in from people who had noticed ants in their house kind of a little bit early, isn't it, for ants? So John Paul has got on to Richard Faulkner of, that's Richard from Renticle, I'm assuming, who we spoke with not too long ago on the programme. And he's going to join us tomorrow. And he says that uh, ants, they've had the second highest amount of call-outs in the month of February was to do with ants. So there seems to be a problem with ants. So if you have a question or you're, you're, you're having a problem with ants, hopefully we'll be able to get that addressed tomorrow on the programme when Richard Faulkner uh, joins us. 1850-333-103. Keep your questions for Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist. Keep those uh, coming in. We're going to take a break though and news at 12 midday on the way. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is some of your texts coming in. Hi, one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Says uh, a WhatsApper, I had a cousin who was living in Bandon and lads kept ringing his doorbell in the middle of the night. So he just got fed up with it. So he waited up one night. He had three buckets of freezing cold water at the ready. He poured the water down on top of them just as they were about to ring the doorbell. Never had a problem after that. That's a suggestion to our listeners having the problem with the guys doing more than just, or a man doing more than just ringing a doorbell in the middle of the night. Mary and her mamway, somebody suggested a sensory light as a way of stopping that man doing his business at somebody's front door. Well, says Mary, I can tell you it's a waste of time. And throwing water on someone out the window could be, could get Throwing water on someone could get your window or door kicked in, as happened with me, says Mary. God, I don't know what that story is about. So uh, that's out of the question. But I cannot understand why the Gardaí cannot summon the person for what he is doing. But the Gardaí probably need to catch him in the act. Every Sunday morning, I would have to wash my front door because of vomit and urine. It was disgusting. Men would come out of the pub and use my door as a toilet instead of going to the toilet before they left the pub. I would be in and out with bottles of Dettol and buckets of hot water on the weekend mornings, but not so much in the last few years. Okay, so maybe not as many people out. Is that the reason? Are our people going and doing their business in the pubs before they actually leave instead of using Mary and Manway and her front door. Thank you for your call, Mary. And like Mary's making the point, why can't this guy be summonsed for what he's doing? And then I was saying, I was pondering and wondering, was he breaking a law? I mean, surely there's a law there that you can't just drop your trousers and when you get short taken and do it in the side of the street. A little bit like the bridge, St. Patrick's Bridge last week. Paddy in Mallow feels there is an old law that states you can't urinate in public but that if you have to go and do your number twos and you need to have a poo, you can. That there's no law against that. He just has a vague recollection of that's the way the law is. Look, leave it with me and I'll see if I can do some research on it this afternoon and try to find out exactly what is the law around urinating in public or worse going to the toilet in, in public. Oh God, there's got to be, there surely has got to be a rule or a law. You've, it, there has to be something illegal in it, I, I would have thought. Keep your questions coming, please, for Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, who will be joining us in this hour. Some more of your texts coming in uh, to us on the... Commonwealth. And this is the story that has come out from, at the weekend, from the Fine Gael conference that was held on the DUP MP Geoffrey Donaldson telling 
the Fine Gael party conference that he would like to see Ireland joining the Commonwealth. He had been invited there. It was at an event hosted by young Fine Gael. And Margaret, when she heard it, it was, it was an event hosted by young Fine Gael, uh, says that the young, maybe young Fine Gael need a history lesson. She wasn't impressed at all at anyone suggesting that we join the Commonwealth. Well, a texter, Noel, Noel says, Hi Patricia, I'm listening to your show on the Fine Gael Spring Conference in West, Wexford. All the speakers were applauded at the end of their contributions. And that in no way means that what was said by Geoffrey Donaldson, for example, was being taken on board. I read yesterday where both the Taoiseach and the Thonister were asked about the Commonwealth and both said it wasn't happening. To the lady, that's Margaret, who said young Fine Gael need a history lesson. She needs to look at the bigger picture. These people are invited. They contributed to the conference. So the only polite thing to do at the end is to acknowledge them by, congr- you know, by a round of applause. But by giving that round of applause, it does not mean you are agreeing with what the person said. And that's signed by Noel, who describes himself as a proud member of Fine Gael. And Sandy says, on the Commonwealth, some people need reminding that it was a Fine Gael proposal that ended Ireland's membership in an attempt to woo the Republican voters to vote Fine Gael. It was no benefit to Ireland and cemented the non-Catholic voter in the North to view Ireland as the IRA haven. Rejoining would benefit Ireland's immigrants and trade to countries like New Zealand, Canada and many other countries. It wouldn't be such a bad thing, according to Sandy, who is also uh, picking up on what we were talking about with the sugar factory and what could the old sugar factory be used for and somebody suggested this growing miscanthus as a possible solution well Sandy disagrees because uh, Sandy says miscanthus is a misfit in the Irish climate which presents harvesting problem, problems moisture content and the price of harvest product are major factors. Sugar beet has a higher output re methane production with leftover pulp providing a viable animal feed compared to present high carbon input. Green course should be excluded by the way says Sandy because they benefit by the closure compensation. In my opinion says Sandy Green Corps provided the data used by Mary Coughlin to justify closure of, of all sugar factories. Mary Coughlin admitted later the data she used to justify closure was uh, wrong. Uh, a methane digester processing effluent and waste food grass silage sorry would be better but not at the closed site in uh, Mallow um, yeah and the the plant did cease operations sugar production ended in 2006 it was a result of an EU reforms on sugar production but then as we know four years later there was an EU court of auditors and they said it shouldn't have closed when they did the analysis of the EU's sugar reform the auditors found that the European Commission was working off old figures and it didn't take into account that Green Corps had already closed the sugar plant in Cardo so they were unaware of that they thought it was they, they thought there was still a sugar plant but it was too late then it was done and dusted so that, now that Miss Cantus that I had never heard of before somebody said it's also called elephant grass I was unaware of it. Okay, on CCTV and the man doing his business at one of our listeners' front doors, Tim says, How often are Gardaí and the PSNI looking for CCTV? Yeah, we regularly hear that when there's been an accident and the members of Angarda Shikona or if it's up the north, the PSNI will say if anybody has 
video footage or film footage or dash cam footage from the car has become uh, a new thing. Uh, so Tim, I suppose, is taken aback by the listener being told by the Gardaí that because of data protection, they couldn't go and ask people for CC for their CCTV in the area to see if they could catch this man on camera. Uh, Tim says, Newmarket is a prosperous looking town. Are there any cars passing? at the time that this gentleman is relieving himself, one stopping and shining full headlights on the man with his trousers down around his ankles might change his behaviour. But putting his picture on the wall is the best cure, says uh, Tim. And that's where the listener has to get the copy of whoever is actually doing it and almost catch him in the act on camera. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls if you want to uh, text or WhatsApp 086 at 2103103. And I just want to quickly reference one call, one text that came in to do with insurance, health insurance. And unfortunately, it came in at the end of my piece with Dermot Good, but it's from Mary and Domanway uh, to say that both of us, so I'm assuming herself and her husband, are retiring next month. We're on VHI Plan B for the last 35 years. Any advice we any advice we could go to get anywhere advice and where we go to get advice uh, who where could we go to we cannot afford the high price we're currently paying and you're exactly you're exactly the couple that Dermot Good was referencing when he says anyone that's still with the old VHI plan you're probably paying he said what was the figure he said 800 euro each per person over what you should be paying and you can get the very same plan that you're getting different plan for half, I would say, half of what you're paying at the moment. I mean, if you want to check out Dermot's uh, totalhealthcare.ie but definitely, you definitely have have to reduce that and obviously if you're retiring, you don't have the same you won't have the same income coming into the household so it's now more important uh, than ever and I always feel sorry for people like that you know, all of their working life paying in and you know please God have never been sick during all of those years and now suddenly in the autumn of their life when they're retiring when is the time when they may get sick when they'll need their health insurance and how often have we heard of older people in retirement cancelling their health insurance and then you know within months they suddenly find themselves sick and they don't have private health insurance cover so definitely get working on that uh, Mary there's a lot of savings uh, for you and your husband to make The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie The Donnerail Tidy Towns Spring Clean is going to be held today they are meeting at the Corner Hinch at two o'clock today then on to the Old Court Cemetery at four any willing pair of hands invited to come along and help out the Irish Blood Transfusion Blood Donor Clinic Middleton Park Hotel between five and eight thirty this evening Cardiac Support Group North Cork are hosting a presentation entitled Sitting in the Driving Seat of Your Health it'll be given by Maeve Carmody Self-Management Coordinator it'll be on in the Mallow Daycare Centre eight o'clock tonight the opportunity to self-manage one's health in association with medical advisors is always to be taken on board. Please take the opportunity to come along. 
meeting about Formoy Weir tonight at 8 o'clock in the CMWS Hall in Formoy. Anybody interested in saving Formoy Weir urged to please attend. Bingo's on tonight, Butterfinch GAA Hall, half past eight. Jackpot there, €5,800. All are welcome. And Carberry GAA with the Rebel Oak Coaching are running a coaching conference in Ahamilla this coming Saturday, the 30th of March from 11am to 2pm. It's open to all GAA coaches of all levels. Guests on the day include Kevin O'Donovan, CEO of Cork GAA, Kevin Murray, Cork Camogie coach and much more. Information available from your club coaching officer are by emailing james.mccarthy.gda.cork at gaa.ie. But I want to go to the phone line because we've had one of our listeners from North Cork contact us on behalf of an old age pensioner who has a dog in need. And uh, Beata from the Donnerill area joins me. Good afternoon to you, Beata. Yeah, hi. Hi, uh, you're, you're welcome. Okay, you've contacted us about an elderly gentleman who has an unwell dog. Exactly. Um, he has her now for, like, she's about 10 years old, and he has had her for the past six years now. Um, that dog has been through thick and thin with him, and he absolutely loves her. The two of them are very, very attached to each other. And uh, she has developed, um, yeah, a problem with her reproductive system, um, as in she bleeds um, every so often. And, like, it's not because she's in heat or anything. And there was a lump being found in her, um, yeah. Her uterus, yeah. (laughs) Was she neutered? No, she was not neutered because... Um, she she would come in season every now and then, but um, she did not accept any male to meet her. Okay, yeah, but but the, but the problem you are describing is quite yeah, common in older dogs that have not mm-hmm. been neutered. It's one of the reasons that we advocate from a health point of view to neuter dogs so that we don't end up with these kind of problems. But anyway, the problem has arisen and now we have this elderly dog uh, who needs uh, veterinary care. Okay, this gentleman had also rehomed another dog. Uh, yes, he asked because um, the dog that he has, like the little girl, um, she is getting older and um, he cannot see himself without being uh, being without a dog. So uh, he asked me that um, if I ever came across a dog in need of a home to contact him because he might take it in. And so it happened. I got contacted about a dog that was abandoned in Cork City. I took it in. It was a pup. And um, he took it on and they got on great, but then he got um, unwell himself and had to go to hospital on numerous occasions and could not take the dogs um, like for their for their daily walks. And he would walk those dogs for hours every day, even though he is not um, a spring chicken anymore himself. And, um, yeah, so um, he got, during that time, he got reported to the ISPCA um, for letting his dogs uh, run loose in town, which they really never have done. They Like, he'd never leave them out of the house by themselves. They always walked on the lead. Um, he leaves them off the lead in the park, uh, but not in town itself. And he would never just open the door and let the wa- dogs walk themselves. 
Um, so the lady from the ISPCA did call to him, and uh, she did say that um, she the dogs are in great condition, and um, that um, the the report was unfounded. And he did ask her, however, um, because he knew that with his situation with ill health and that, that he wasn't being fair entirely on the younger dog. Um, so he asked her, could they assist him with rehoming him to a, a more active home? Okay. And um, she agreed to do that. And she, she, like, he surrendered the dog there and then, and she took the dog away. And she promised that if he ever needed any help, um, with the other dog, that they will be there for him and that they, they would help. And, um, yeah, when it came to us, um, they declined that help. That was so so he they, then he then took the dog to the vet because the dog is unwell. Exactly. And he took the dog to the vet. Like, I, I gave him, like, I picked him up because uh, he doesn't drive himself. So I picked him up and we took him to the local vet and um, and the gentleman the, said, "Oh, the ISPCA said they'll help me." Exactly, exactly. Oh. And they double checked that with the ISPCA, and they were told that they would not. You see, I, 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 I we'll get this yes. checked. I, I'll get John Paul to check with the ISPCA. Do they help with veterinary bills like that for members of the public? Do you um, know? That I am like it. It depends, I suppose, from case to case. I, I am not one hundred. Like I never had that issue. Like I never um, came across this situation before. All right, but he was of the belief that whoever came yeah. to pick up the other dog, the younger dog, the pup, said, "If you ever need anything done with the dog, we'll help you out. We'll cover the cost of the veterinary bills." Exactly. That's what, yeah. Okay. All right. But obviously, the ISPC, well, as I say, we'll check that. And if anybody can tell us if they've ever heard of the ISPCA paying for somebody's uh, veterinary, uh, veterinary bill. Okay. Do you know? I'm assuming it's an operation. The dog, he, he, this dog needs an operation. Needs a hysterectomy, I imagine, more than anything, does it? Um, I um, imagine so very much myself. Yes, okay. How much? Definitely. How much is it going to cost? It's going to cost, um, like with blood tests and everything that need to be done, I suppose it's going to be around three or four hundred euro. Okay, and this elderly man, an old age pensioner, doesn't have that kind of money, is it? No, he does not. He definitely does not, no. He's living just on a pension? He's just living on the state pension, yes. Okay, so you, you're putting out an appeal hoping that somebody kind-hearted might come forward, is it? That would be fantastic. Anything towards it would be fantastic. And uh, do do you know, because I mean, vets are are fantastic people and will never leave an animal uh, in distress. Is there any way that he could have the procedure, the dog could have the procedure done and he could pay off the vet, you know, maybe 10 or... Yeah, I've I've inquired about that um, with uh, several vets. And um, they just don't do that anymore because they have been left down too many times beforehand. Um, a lot of them used to do it. Yeah. And um, they've just been left sitting on their bills. Oh, and and he doesn't have not, he doesn't yeah. have family member that he can borrow the money from or anything, no? 
no, no. Um, he himself was born in the Magdalene laundries, uh, like back in the, with the Magdalene sisters. Oh, God. He okay. has had a very tough life okay. um, by himself. <laughs> Um, and uh, like, and you has, just as a friend, you're just you're, you're just trying to give him a, a bit of a dig out and a helping hand by exactly. Okay, exactly. All right, and we we have all of your details, Beata. If there is anyone who is willing to help out with this particular case, and we will get on, as I say, to the ISPCA as well uh, to find out what exactly is the situation. And I can hear you've got dogs of your own, Beata. I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How many dogs have you? Uh, I have five dogs. And um, yeah, my like my children are just as bad. They all have animals. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, you're an animal lover. Okay, uh, all right. To yeah. be listen. Well, thank you for um, getting in contact with us. And as I say, if anybody contacts us with any offer, either somebody who might be willing would have that kind of money to pay for the whole thing, or as you say, if somebody even wants to give a few bob, and it'll all add up that kind of a way. What I could. What I would also like to mention is that. Um, like he doesn't necessarily want just free hands out, handouts or anything like that. He would actually like if if somebody needs a garden that needs sorting or anything in the house that needs doing like painting or anything, he'd be more than happy to work it off. Ah, oh, God love him. Listen, yeah. he's an elderly man who's unwell, uh, Beata. I don't think anybody would expect that of him, the poor, the poor guy. All right, <laughs> listen, we'll keep in contact with you, OK? Um, oh, and um, thanks for contacting us and joining us uh, this morning. Bye-bye. That is uh, Beata joining us from the Donnerail area about that elderly man and his dog with a veterinary bill of between 300 and 400 euro if anyone can, if anybody wants to offer a helping hand or if anybody has heard of the ISPCA paying veterinary bills when a dog becomes sick. I just I just don't know if I've ever heard about that before. We will check in with the ISPCA. I'm wondering, did the gentleman misunderstand what was said to him? Because I, I just don't know if I've ever, ever heard of that before. But that's not to say that it doesn't happen. Uh, 1850 333 103. We're going to take a break. Um, when we come back, we'll have Annalise Drissel answering all of your nutritional questions. That's coming up after the break. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joining me to answer all of your questions today. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, And Patricia. isn't the weather just glorious? Glorious. You could actually sit out here in Balancholic. It's warm. You'd get a suntan. It's great. And the, yeah. the vitamin D, it's great to get out and get a bit of oh, sunshine. Oh, it lifts everybody's spirits, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, straight in with questions. Mary Ann says, Hi, Annalise. Question regarding eczema or eczema in a toddler aged 19 months. It flares up periodically. Could changing something in his diet help? Yes, it could. Um, but it's a difficult one, Patricia, to try and track down what the problem food is. And when they're toddlers as well, you don't really want to start massive restrictions because, um, you know, it could make them deficient in, in different nutrients. So um, I suppose the more common guys would be the ones to cut out first would be things like um um, eggs would be the top one that comes up when I do the food intolerance tests here. Most people always think it's going to be gluten, but egg tends to come up more than anything else. The second one that comes up um, commonly would be dairy and dairy products, so cow's milk, cow's cheese. Now, a lot of people would be worried that they won't get enough calcium, and that could be a concern for a toddler. Um, but, you know, if you switch over to um, a formula milk or uh, a milk that's been fortified with calcium, like an oat milk or a... 
uh, rice milk, most of them now will will have one brand that has been fortified with calcium, then it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, so milk would be the second biggest issue. The third biggest one I see coming up then is gluten or wheat. Uh, so I suppose you could try those first and see if it would make a difference. Mm. The problem is when you cut something out of the diet with the skin, it takes a while for the skin to kind of respond and heal. So it might take a couple of months really before you notice the benefits. So if the flare-up is only every now and then, it's going to be really hard to figure out exactly what the problem is. Um, Another very common um, culprit, Patricia, is fabric conditioner. Um, And I know it makes babies' clothes lovely and soft, but those chemicals that they use in the fabric conditioner weave into the fabric itself and rub up against the skin all day long. So that's always the first thing to cut out when there's any kind of skin problems is the fabric conditioner. Switch to a non-bio uh, washing powder. The Fairy non-bio is a great one. And then there are a few creams that I've had very good feedback on. The one that I have here in the shop uh, that I get great feedback on is the Salcura Derma Spray and the Salcura Zeoderm. So one is a spray and one is a cream. And I get very good feedback on those. So maybe you can manage it with those simple things. Yeah, someone else is saying change the washing powder. So obviously someone in their household discovered it was the washing powder was was causing uh, an issue. Okay, uh, question for Annalise. Just wondering, is pregnancy complex the same as pregnancy care? I'm taking pregnancy complex, but I'm wondering, do I need Omega-3 as well or is it included? Well, truthfully, I don't know because I'm not sure what the brand is. So I think you probably need to read the um, the ingredients at the side and see if the omega-3 is included. I would be very surprised if it was. Um, it, and if it was, it's probably in low amounts. Now, omega-3, particularly the DHA uh, omega-3 oil, is um, really important for the first trimester in pregnancy. So omega-3 f- fats come as either EPA, um, icosapentaenoic acid or DHA, dihexanoic um, acid. So either one of those um, are the active form of omega-3s. EPA is a great one for bringing cholesterol down and it's a very powerful natural anti-inflammatory. DHA is an integral part of our brain tissue, our nerve, the fatty tissue around our nerves. And it's very important in the first trimester of pregnancy because that's when the nervous system is developing hugely. So I think it would be unusual to get a high dose of that in any complex so certainly for the first trimester, I would take a separate one. But if there is a little bit of it, then it'll be perfect for the, the second and the third trimester. OK, and the listener also adds in, what would be the reason for a four-year-old passing cream-coloured poo? So that's an unusual now, but the lighter the poo, if it's kind of pale tan colour, it's generally an issue with fat digestion. Um, now, if it was very, very light in colour, that's very unusual. Um, I suppose I'd be asking other questions then. Would there be any distress, any colic? Uh, Would it be a loose stool? Would it be sticky? Would it be very smelly? This would all be indications that fat wasn't being digested efficiently. So take a look at that. Um, Also then, if it's only a recent thing, maybe after an antibiotic, do a probiotic and that might correct the problem. Mary, question for Annalise, please. What would Annalise recommend for soft, peeling, weak nails and also a product for healthy hair? My diet is good and is varied, says Mary. Yeah, well, I think like my own nails are very weak this time of the year, Patricia. So I do think that coming into the summer, people's nails and hair tends to strengthen a lot. They go into decline in the winter. But I'm a big fan of biotin. It's one of the B vitamins 
Um, so you'll get some of it in the beet complex, but you need to take it in fairly high amounts just as a tonic for the hair and nails. And the Viridian do a nice biotin, and the other company that do a very high strength one are Solgar. And take one, get a three month supply of those, and you'll notice a big difference in your nails and hair. And that should do you through until next year. You don't need to take it year round. Hi, Annelise. Two questions for you. First, anything to take for reflux, which is caused by a hiatus hernia? Also, anything for chronic sinusitis? Okay, so um, the hiatus hernia happens when you have a little bit of the stomach protrudes up through the diaphragm. So it's a structural issue and uh, it can be very painful. It can cause indigestion, but certainly that pushing up of the stomach will create acid reflux. So one of the best things from the natural perspective is the slippery elm. It comes from the bark of the slippery elm tree and it forms a kind of a mucilage, uh, which is a kind of a sticky, thick, uh, gooey liquid. And it coats all of the throat and the stomach with that lovely mucilage and protects it from the damage of the acid. Um, it's also very healing and very soothing. It's wonderful as a, as a, a support for the bowel as well. It can help with a healthy stool. It can feed the good bacteria. So it does a few different jobs. Typically, I think medically, Patricia, people would be recommended to take um, the Nexium as an, as an acid blocker. But of course, then that leads to other problems with constipation and poor absorption of calcium and long term. It's, it's not supposed to be for long term use. So try the slippery elm. It's not something that's going to fix the problem because the hiatus hernia is underlying, but it'll certainly help you manage the heartburn. And for the sinusitis, chronic so, sinusitis. Chronic sinusitis, this is a really common one, Patricia, and it's a kind of a difficult one because sometimes it can be because there's a lot of polyps up in the sinus and they're they're getting inflamed and causing blockages. And then I think a lot of the time it's down to intolerances or allergies. And what happens then is a lot of mucus is being produced and it pools up in the sinus and then can become infected. You get a a nasal drip, you get a constant having to swallow mucus down. And that can be difficult, again, to pin down what's causing the problem. It's the same as the skin. It's always hard to figure out what it is, especially if it's an intolerance because the reactions are delayed. But there'd be a few ways that you could have an idea. So if it happens only in the wintertime, it's most likely down to some kind of mould and an allergy to a mould. And there's lots of different moulds that can grow in our houses that we're not even aware of especially in this damp climate. And some people are highly allergic and highly sensitive. So even a small bit of green mould around the shower curtain could, for some people, cause um, chronic sinusitis. So if you're worse in the winter and better when you go away to a a sunny place, that's probably more of a mould issue. If it's a year-round thing, it could be something you're eating, and dairy is a massive culprit for that. So try and cut the dairy out for a couple of months, uh, sorry, a couple of weeks and see, does that make a difference? And then if it's all in the summer, of course, it's down to hay fever, pollen. So protecting yourself um, proactively against hay fever. So starting around this time of the year now to take a spoon of local honey every day and then to take maybe one of the homeopathic remedies, um, pollen is a very good hay fever remedy to prepare yourself. And it definitely cuts down on the severity of hay fever. And if that's what's causing your sinusitis, that'll give you relief. And I'm assuming that's the very same advice for a listener to say, is there anything for the nose? It's a nasal drip day and night. It's very tiring. 
Yeah, definitely. Same advice again, Patricia. What is the problem? Like, what is causing the nasal drip? Now, some people I've noticed this year have still got a drip after having a very bad cold and flu this winter. So that could be, may not necessarily be down to an allergy. It could be that just the body is still stuck in the production of, you know, mucus. Um, So I think in those cases, something like uh, stinging nettle is wonderful for any kind of rhinitis, uh, runny nose and drippy nose. Uh, You'll get it in a tincture in the health shop and you could take that. I have an excellent decongestant blend that can stop the production of mucus. It's by Dr. Delish Clare and it's just called decongestant blend. And a lot of my customers just take a spoon of that every day throughout the winter months just to keep their nasal passages clear and then they don't get as many infections. So that could be a, a, a quick fix. A listener wants to know when you mentioned slippery elm, is that widely, widely available in health shops and roughly what price is it? Yeah, it should be now. It can come in capsule form and it can come in powder form. If you buy the powder, it's much cheaper, but it's very gloopy to get down into you, so you may not be able to manage it. I think it's maybe a good idea to start off on the capsules. And you can get capsules, cheap and cheerful capsules, for under €10. Euros. And then BioCare is my favourite brand, and they do a brand called, uh, a one called Slippery Elm Plus, and there's some mallow, uh, marshmallow in there as well, and gamma rhizinol, which is wonderful for any kind of inflammation or, or healing if there's been any damage from the acid in the stomach. Okay, hi Patricia. Would you ask Annalise? I recently developed pins and needles in my left hand out to my fingertips. Any advice? As I had a prolonged chest cold, not infection, but there was a lot of mu- mucus. It's more of an annual occurrence. Any advice? Oh, there's a couple of things going on there. Okay, yeah, the, the I'm not sure if the... the prolonged like, chest cold. Yeah. Oh, God, that, and that's so common this year, Patricia, isn't it? People yeah. just not able to shift it. It's a very sticky virus, and um, a lot of people have been stuck with it for months on yeah. end. And I think what's wonderful for that is the olive leaf extract. It comes in, as a liquid. Now, you can get it as tablets, but you're wasting your time. Um, you need the, the amount and the strength of the liquid. So you'll get that in any health shop. It's the extract of the olive leaf. And that's a great one. I'm a big fan of mushrooms as well, Patricia. The beta-glucans are the extract of mushrooms and they're great for kind of boosting the immune system. They're brilliant for anti-cancer as well. So they're a nice one to include in your diet. You can buy powders now, um, which when I started with the shop, they were so expensive and not readily available. Now you can buy a mix of a, a mushroom blend powder and you could just, you know, put in a half a teaspoon in with a glass of water or your, your breakfast cereal or something like that. And that can be great for just boosting your immune system enough to kind of knock it on the head. But start on the, um, the olive leaf extract first. So that's the constant code, the, the lingering code. Yeah. The other question there was the pins and needles. Yeah, so the pins and needles sounds to me more like either one carpal tunnel syndrome where the tunnel that houses the nerve going down into the wrist has become more or less blocked, really, I suppose, and is much more narrow than it should be. So the nerve impulse is is not getting through properly and you're getting the pins and needles. The other reason can be a trapped nerve in the neck. That's another very common cause. Um, In fact, I know one of my customers got the... um, flu vaccine this year and as a result um, a byproduct of the flu vaccine he has been left in this terrible tingling going down his whole arm and numbness in his fingers. Now that's a more unusual occurrence but it is it has happened. 
So um, I think have a think and see which one of those it could be. And if it is a trapped nerve, you're probably going to have to go and visit an osteopath. Yeah, or go go see your GP. Yeah, go see your GP is probably the best first step. Do you recommend kefir milk, asks a listener? Yeah, it's fantastic. So um, um, also you can pronounce it kefir as well. And basically it's like yogurt, except it's just much thinner. So you can make your own very easily at home. Um, just as you can make your own yogurt at home and actually the, the dirtier your kitchen the better because <laughs> we want lots of good bacteria nice big soup of bacteria and there are so many more bacteria people spend money on probiotics Patricia but there are so many more bacteria in a yogurt that you'll make yourself at home um, unfortunately a lot of the ones in the supermarkets have been pasteurised and you'll know this because if you'd open it after finding it in the back of the fridge a month later it's still perfect so there's definitely no bacteria left in those yogurts but um, yeah, I would I would think everybody should be taking something like kefir or a natural yogurt every day because those good bacteria we're learning more and more and more how they benefit our health, not just our gut health, but our mental health and our, our immune system health and everything else. Carmel says, hi, question for Annalise, hair thinning. I get my hair cut and collared every six to seven weeks, but I've noticed the last two times my hair growth not as good as it has been. I'm on a cholesterol injection every two weeks and have been on same for a year and a half. Any suggestions? She doesn't know if that's influencing it in any way. Uh, Any suggestions to improve hair growth, says Carmel. So, well, I do think this time of the year anyway, Patricia, it's like the nails. I don't think our hair is growing very well. Most people will know that their hair grows much quicker coming into the summer months. Um, so whether it's something to do with the vitamin D or the diet, I'm not sure. Like thinning hair can be down to a number of different things. I mean, a lot of people will notice if they've had a very busy, stressful time, their hair will suffer. Um, it also can be down to hormones. So your hair will often change texture or thin around menopause. A lot of women will have experienced thinning hair in pregnancy. So I suppose the key really is trying to figure out what's underlying. Is it a nutrient deficiency or is it a hormonal issue? And then taking a hair supplement, there's different ones. My favourite one for thinning hair is the um, is the Norcrin. It's spelled N-O-U-R-K-R-I-N. And it has been patented, so it's a little bit expensive. But it does really seem to work and it's not available to get in our food or anything like that. So it's definitely one that you can t- need to take in supplement form. And I've had excellent feedback on that Norcrin. Uh, you need to take it for at least three months. If it's not working after three months, it's probably not going to work for you. But um, give that one a try. Other things that are very good for your hair as well are things like um, actually the stinging nettle extract is wonderful for your hair so this time of the year now with nettles growing if you could make a nettle soup that's brilliant for hair and nails if you want to do it the natural way biotin is very good as well as i mentioned earlier for nails and for hair silica is another thing and um, that we find actually in high amounts in horsetail you know that kind of horsetail looking plant that grows yeah. in our verges so you'll get all of those in health supplements and health shops but i think it's worth spending the money on the norcran because from the feedback that I get, that's the one that does the job. Okay, and can you finally just repeat the product for the sinus slash hay fever? Okay, so the hay fever blend is called Pollena. It's by Dr. Alfred Vogel, the A. Vogel brand of products. And they're little tablets that you start taking. They're a blend of different homeopathic remedies. And for people, when they work, they get massive relief. Last year was a really bad year because it was so dry. 
so it was really hard to get your hands on it actually it was sold out in a lot of places but definitely the key is preparation so I would be starting really at the end of this month Okay and for the sinuses? So the, for the sinus I think probably well I'm a big fan of the Dr. Delish Claire Chest and Sinus Blend also doing um, a steam inhalation with a bowl of boiling water and some oregano oil the towel over the head that will shift any lingering bugs that are left up there that could be causing any problems and the sinus rinse is brilliant just to clear the mucus out, Patricia, and that can give you a bit of relief in terms of okay. drip. All right, listen, have a good week. We'll chat next Monday. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for that. That's Annalise Giselle, the Health Hub, Times Square, Ballancolic. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 76, you send me the girl's name of the shop in Ballancolic. It's Annalise Drissel, and the name of the shop is the Health Hub, Times Square in uh, Ballancolic. She is a mine of information, is our Annalise. Okay, that's where uh, I leave you for today. Uh, my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon, and we're back with you tomorrow. And don't forget, tomorrow we're offering advice to people who've had uh, infestation of ants in their house. We'll talk tomorrow. 